Hey everyone. So I'm just getting in the car on my way to pick up my kids after school. And I just read an article um, about this proposed legislation from the Alberta government called the Compassion Intervention Act, where they can force people against their will to be put into abstinence and recovery programs. And I like wasn't expecting to have this reaction, but this is like so messed up and completely violates the rights of people. And unfortunately, this is a population that most of the, the general population can't identify with. And so they don't care about them. And so it's just this, this population that has no way to advocate for them at all. And they continue to just be forgotten and die without services that they need, without harm reduction, which has evidence behind it. We all know this and get forced into recovery. And this is just wrong. It's wrong and it's devastating. And I will keep pushing. I will keep advocating and just hope that something like this doesn't actually come to fruition because it is it's just wrong and it's a complete violation and it's not right. That's Dr. Shazam Mathani, a frequent guest here on the show, talking about a story that came out in the Globe and Mail. It's not new. It's been around for a while, though, but uh, Globe and Mail has uh, apparently located a number of documents talking about the fact that uh, our, our government uh, is considering, at this point, involuntary drug treatment in the province. And Mike Ellis, the former Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, the current Minister of Public Safety, was asked about it yesterday, and he says, I, I think I've been pretty off the whole time that, you know, all things are on the table and voluntary treatment is something that we are considering. So it's definitely something that's been talked about at some levels in the provincial government. It's not being proposed at this point. That would come after the election. But just the fact that this is on the table has a lot of people talking. You heard Dr. Metheny. She deals with this every day. Dr. Darren Markland, another ICU doc on Twitter today, talking about half the patients he saw in his ICU last night were overdose patients, saying there's a crisis. We all want to do something, but then quickly saying this ain't it. Um, why not? Uh, I mean, we're desperate. We, we have people dying every single day. Um, when it comes to involuntary treatment, what's the issue surrounding that? I think some of the concerns are obvious, but let's get into it. We're going to chat with Dr. Elaine Hishka, an associate professor and the Canada Research Chair in Health Systems Innovation at the University of Alberta's School of Public Health and specializes a lot in um addictions and, and drugs and, and all the public health crisis that surrounds that. Dr. Hishka, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Shay. When we talk about involuntary drug treatment, let's just define it. Basically what that is, is the government giving law enforcement, or in some cases even family members, if this comes to pass, the right to put somebody into treatment against their will, right? Yes. And is that even yes. legal, Doc? Well, right now we actually have a number of pathways that people can be compelled to um, go into treatment. So we have the Mental Health Act in Alberta. We also have um, legislation specific to minors where parents can go to court to have their children apprehended and placed in um, a safe house kind of uh, tailored to substance use. And um, we also have, of course, um, sentencing conditions are often uh, contain, you know, requirements for people to go to treatment. And we also have drug courts. So there are a number of tools already that um, do allow for legally mandated 
treatment in certain instances. So the difference here would be none of those things would apply and it could be a family member involuntarily putting someone into treatment. I mean, would, would certain qualifiers, have, I guess we don't know, but um, why does this cross into an area where some people are saying rights might be violated here? This is a concern when it comes to charter rights, human rights. Yeah, so um, the difference here is that essentially a physician, a police officer, or a family member or someone else that's just interacting with a person who has an addiction would be able to refer them to a uh, panel that then could mandate them um, to involuntary confinement for their substance use disorder. And um, the nature of that confinement, what kinds of services will be offered, are um, not specified. And unfortunately, the legislation that has been drafted was not tabled in the last session, so we really don't know the details. But um, I suspect in whenever there's an element of kind of securing, you know, or physically restraining someone, um, that it would likely be an absence-based care setting where, um, you know, people are held um, and cannot leave and, um, you know, would have access to different programs. But, uh, of course, not necessarily access to any medications or medical care. Yeah, and, you know, um, uh, Minister Ellis was asked yesterday, and he said, you know, if you, in some cases you've got people who are being Narcan five or ten times a day. It, it's the right thing to do. This is actually called compassionate in the government document, saying we need to save these people's lives. Um, and people out there in the audience, I'm sure, saying, yeah, I mean, these people are going to die otherwise. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to save them. But this comes with great risk to the health of the patient, right? Involuntary treatment has disastrous outcomes for people who are addicted to substances. It can be deadly. Um, and I think that's just the reality. So I emphasize or emphasize greatly with the need to do more to stop people from dying. And I have personally been working on this issue, you know, for like the last 12 or 15 years in our province. This is not the solution to people at risk of death. And I'll tell you why. First, we know that um, the majority of people are dying from opioid use disorder, or from, sorry, from opioid poisoning. They're taking opioids, they're having an overdose, they're dying. The gold standard treatment for people that have addictions to opioids is medication in an outpatient setting. That is the most effective. That's what's going to cut their risk of death. Sending somebody to an abstinence-based program uh, for opioid use disorder um, who is not taking medications increases their risk of death because what happens is they have a short period of um, confinement where they're not using substances that reduces their tolerance and the relapse rate is very high when they leave um, can be as high as 90 percent um, I saw one study recently that from Massachusetts that showed a hundred percent relapse rate mm-hmm. and what happens when people relapse is um, their tolerance has gone down and they are far more likely to have an overdose and so um, it actually can increase their risk of death and it's very dangerous and that's why it really has been used in very limited cases. Now, the instance that the minister referred to um, where somebody is being Narcan 10 times a day, I personally have never heard of something that extreme. But um, if that were actually happening, I think we would have other legal tools to um, protect that person and keep them safe um, while they're in crisis. And that is includes tools under the Mental Health Act already. And, you know, and the other thing is, and it's, it's a cliche, and I'm sure everybody's heard it, and a lot of people have said it, but it's a cliche because it's true, um, the success rate of forcing somebody into it. You know, we've always heard people say, you can't help someone who doesn't want help, and they have to be ready and all those things. There's truth in that, right? So, I mean, this may be a, a short-term thing where they're under a doctor's care, but like you say, when they get out, the risk of relapse is huge because if people don't voluntarily seek the help, that's a big part of recovery. 
Absolutely. Um, we know one of the biggest indicators for success in treatment is treatment engagement. And if you're just there because you have to be, um, there's a little likelihood that you will engage uh, in whatever treatment is being offered. Additionally, I think it's worth noting that we have yet to see any data from um, the provincial government on the effectiveness of the new recovery centers that they are establishing and the new beds that have been funded. We don't have even basic program statistics showing how many people are admitted to these programs, how many people complete them, and what the short-term outcomes are on their health um, if they do complete them. And I think in the absence of that information, it would be um, very premature and frankly irresponsible to um, start, you know, wholesale mandating people to these programs. And I think, too, we need to recognize that setting up a system like this that um, involves, you know, holding people against their will in treatment spaces is going to require significant resources on the part of the treatment system, the courts, and, um, you know, past, sure. like physicians and other stakeholders. And I would say that there are many other avenues that we could have a much better return on investment for those dollars and save lives um, than this proposal. You're absolutely right. That's another consideration. Whenever I speak to people like you or um, physicians, people who live in this world and deal with this every single day, the word that always comes, well, the two words is evidence-based. It's always about evidence-based because there is evidence. I mean, yeah, it's a big, big problem. It's tough to tackle, but we do know what works. Is there any evidence surrounding involuntary treatment as to whether it's effective or not? The existing evidence is really showing it's not more effective than voluntary treatment, and it certainly has an increased risk of harm to people that undergo okay. it. So I don't think the evidence justifies moving in this direction at all. Uh, Dr. Hishka, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you being here.